So what we're starting with is defining patience. What, what is patience? Patience is defined in the New Testament as cheerful endurance. So if you look up the Greek word for it, that's where that comes from. It's most basic definition is cheerful endurance or constancy. When you look at the fruit of the spirit, this is just kind of a side note, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5.22, it mentions love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Anybody can suffer simply because we all do in some way, shape, or form in our lives, but to do so with joy is the harder part. And patience is basically the ability to suffer long, but with joy. That's why it's called cheerful endurance. It's not just endurance, because anybody can endure through anything if they have to. But to do it with joy is really what patience boils down to. So cheerful endurance is what patience is. Expanded, what I have written here, is that patience is the ability to wait through any amount of time or endure long through any difficulty with constant joy, calm, and contentment. That's what patience is. So we're going to look at scriptures that deal with that. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a massive advantage if we were all patient. Amen. All right, let's go to that first point. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to focus on verse 12, but I will have us start on verse 11 just so we get a complete sentence. The point is that patience goes hand in hand with faith. This is a scripture that expresses it. Starting in verse 11, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitating those who through faith and patience inherit the promises is a reference to the characters of the Bible that we think about, talk about, and read about, especially the Old Testament. And it sums up their life by saying they inherited God's promises through their faith and patience. So they received from God what God promised to them through their faith and patience. Now, this scripture, starting in verse 11, in one sense, describes what it looks like to be patient in that way. And it says, show the same diligence to the full, full assurance of hope until the end. Basically speaking, that means if you can stay diligent and stay hopeful all the way until the end, that would be faith and patience in action. And that alludes to that first bold sentence I have written here, which is that's the ability to wait through any amount of time or endure long through any difficulty with constant joy, calm, and contentment. So patience goes hand in hand with faith. And we're going to talk about that. Talking about, we're going to talk about why in a moment here. But that second, second bullet point, then I'll open it up for questions after we finish the second one. We need patience in order to have faith. 
In fact, patience is necessary for growth in all areas. So turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll start in verse. We'll start in verse 2 to get the complete sentence. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. I'm just going to add a uh, kind of side note to this before we continue down the outline. You guys recall one of the things that Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15 about what would make them identifiably his disciples was that they would ask for ask the father for whatever in his name, and it would be given to them. And then Jesus said, by this you will bear much fruit, and therefore you will be my disciples. So he said, being able to ask for anything and for God to give it to you is fruit as a disciple. Now, if we knew what we were supposed to ask for, asked for it, and received it every time, would we lack nothing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you look at faith, Mark chapter 11, Jesus said that if you ask without doubting in faith, that you will have whatever you say. So lacking nothing, or in other words, receiving everything from God that you ask for, depends on faith. Because Jesus said, if you ask in faith without doubting, you will have whatever it is that you ask. And Jesus called that fruit. As a disciple, James, to go back to this scripture, is saying that being perfect and complete or lacking nothing, which would be great fruit in your life as a believer, requires having patience. In other words, you have to let patience come to maturity in order to come to maturity in other areas. So if you want to lack nothing as a believer, and if you want to have great faith or whatever it is that we're talking about, patience has to have its work first. And that's why he says, count it joy when you fall into various trials. Because a trial tests your faith. And that produces patience. Another scripture that I have written on point number two there is Luke 8.15. We won't have to turn there, but Luke 8.15, Jesus says, that we bear fruit with patience. So, in other words, in order to receive the word and produce something from it, it requires having patience. So, if we're dealing with what we may call just spiritual growth in general, being mature in Christ, patience is foundational. You have to build patience first before you can see maturity in those other areas. Okay, let's look at these bullet points here. Now we will turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 10 for this. 
I'll read this off. Patience is the ability to keep faith no matter what happens. So let's read Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking to a persecuted church. And he gives them a really good piece of advice. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. What do we just read about being tested? In James, count of joy, right? It'll produce patience. So that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Here's what he says. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now that word faithful, although most of us would translate that to trustworthy, the Greek word is just simply a derivative of faith, the Greek word for faith, to be believing. So if you read it literally speaking, it simply says, be believing until death and I will give you the crown of life. So therefore, patience is the ability to Keep faith or stay believing no matter what happens, even if it ends in your death. This is one reason why you need to have patience in order to have faith. Because faith without patience is unstable. It's fickle. It fails and falters easily. Because, according to the parable of the sower, Jesus said when a person receives the word with joy, but then in time of tribulation or trial or persecution for the word's sake, immediately they stumble because they have no root in themselves. They cannot endure tribulations or trials that come because of their faith, and as a result, their faith fails or falters. You have to be patient in order to stay in faith. Whatever it is you're believing for, without patience, you cannot believe in a way that's stable and ultimately long-lasting. You don't have patience. We have to be patient. Next bullet point, patience is the ability to labor hard for long periods of time without growing tired. So look at Revelation again. We're going to be in the same chapter, but verse 3. Revelation 2, verse 3. says, And you have persevered, and have patience. And then he describes it and says, and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. This is another show of patience. If you remember what we read in Hebrews 6 verse 12, it says, show the same diligence with full assurance of hope until the end. Diligence is about your labor. It's about your work. How consistent you are with working for something of God. Something for his kingdom. Being able to maintain that diligence, work and labor hard, all the way until the end, is patience. Now, we see a lack of patience in this area all over our experience of life. And it can be at your job, or it can be with spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible, whatever it may be. But when you start a job or start a project and you have lots of energy at the beginning and you're really excited about it, and then you get apathetic, you slow down, get lazy, whatever it might be, you get tired out of something, that's a lack of patience. If you have patience, you will be able to be diligent from beginning to end. 
And in order to, therefore, in order to be diligent, we have to have patience. So when you're a patient, you'll have the ability to labor hard for long periods of time without growing tired. Third bullet point. Patience prevents you in tense situations from acting hastily. And I'm sure all of you guys know that when you act quickly or hastily without thinking on something, it never ends well. Because you're acting out of impulse, you're acting out of fear, out of worry, out of stress or anxiety. And it always results in destruction. There's plenty of Proverbs that talk about that. So rather, patience keeps you calm and sensitive to God's voice at all times. So let's go to John chapter 8. This is an example of Jesus putting this into practice. In this passage, you're not going to see a verse that says the word patience, but this is Jesus showing his patience in this passage. Before we read it, I'll give you an Old Testament example about patience preventing you in tense situations from acting hastily. One of my favorites is in the books of Moses and then Joshua. Moses is a great example. When the Israelites are trapped with the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them at their heels. They're charging them. And there's really nowhere they can go. And you can imagine how frantic the people would have been. God tells Moses to strike the sea with his rod or lift his hand, lift his rod and the Red Sea would split. But God had Moses wait to do that until the Egyptians were close enough that they would commit to going into the sea after the Israelites. So this is an example where you have God giving an instruction to a man about what to do in a very difficult situation. And he has him wait until they're the closest to death they will be before acting and obeying God's word. If Moses was not patient, he would have acted too quickly. So in times of extreme conflict or stress or intensity, having patience allows you to remain calm and wait to act until it's exactly the right time. It's a really important quality. Now let's look at Jesus. John chapter 8. This is a little bit more practical because I don't think most of us are going to be crossing the Red Sea anytime soon. Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. John chapter 8, verse 4. This is about the Pharisees bringing a woman caught in adultery to Jesus to test him. Verse 4. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. We'll pause there for a moment. You have Jesus spontaneously being confronted with what the Pharisees think is a dilemma of interpretation of the law, which means, hey, you're supposedly a godly man. You supposedly obey God. God says in the law of Moses that we're supposed to stone this woman. But we see you showing mercy and forgiving everyone everywhere. But you got to obey the law. So what are you going to do about it, Jesus? Right? This is their, their challenge. So here's where Jesus' patience shows up. 
rather than quickly, impulsively defending himself, here's what he does. Middle of verse 6. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him or pressing him, you could say, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, why or where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We'll pause there. This is an incredible show of patience, patience for Jesus to resist the urge of the flesh, to speak or act hastily, hastily, and instead to block out the prodding and pressing of this crowd that's challenging him. Stoop down on the ground and listen to the Father for what he is supposed to say, waits till he hears it, then says it. And it's exactly right. Exactly what they need to hear. And exactly what would bring both justice and mercy to the situation. Mercy ultimately to this woman. If Jesus was not patient, he would not have been able to do that. Because most people, when you're in situations like that, where it's a tense social, social situation, you're being tried, you're being challenged, you're being provoked. A lack of patience inhibits your ability to be sensitive to what God is saying or what the word is saying to that situation. Because our minds get so frantic that we can't listen. And all we, all we think or feel is our emotions, our impulses. Jesus was not that way. He could, in any situation, doesn't matter if he was in a boat, in the middle of a storm, or being challenged by the Pharisees, he was so calm that he could hear everything he needed to from the Spirit, regardless of the situation, how tense it was, or otherwise. So this means, as kind of a side note, a benefit of being patient is that it keeps your mind quiet enough to be able to hear from God and be sensitive to him in any situation. Without patience, we're too frantic to hear or think of anything except our emotional impulses. So patience is very powerful for that purpose of hearing God. I'll return to that bullet point. Patience prevents you in tense situations from acting hastily. Rather, patience keeps you calm and sensitive to God's voice at all times. Okay. Pause there. I'll open it up for questions. Does anyone have any questions so far about anything? Yes, microphone. What is the crown of life? And then I have a couple of more. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I think it's probably just eternal life, and it's referred to as a crown. That's about all I know at this point. Okay, so is impatience therefore sin? Impatience is sin. Yes. Yep. So if we endure patiently, what is the difference between enduring patiently and having stamina or building that stamina? It's a 
the difference between enduring patiently or building and having stamina? Because as we endure things, we build stamina, strength. This is true. Yep. And so I, even going back to is impatient sin, like, um, and do we need patience in order to have faith? Well, when I come to faith in Christ, I may not have any patience or even have any concept of that. So I'm confused in my own mind as to how we need patience in order to have faith. Have patience in order to have faith. You could specify that by saying, for faith to be sustained. Everybody has a certain level of patience when they, when they come to faith or when they come to Christ. Because they have to in order to ultimately be willing to endure the discomforts of the flesh and of sin or the, the pleasures of sin and choose to follow Jesus. That does take a, me a measure of patience. As your patience grows... So does the strength of your faith to endure through more trials and hard, harder trials. However, the thing about patience that's unique, other qualities share similarities, but patience is unique in the sense that you kind of have to be impatient in an area and be tested in order to become patient in that area. So going through something and not being patient is what makes it a test. That's why it strengthens you, and that's why it ultimately builds that stamina, like you're saying. So everyone, in summary, everyone will have a certain level of patience. There's a point at which it stops. In order to grow, we have to have that patience tested and challenged, and then that patience will grow, and so will the strength of our faith as a result. Does that answer the question? No. You want to add an additional question, or do you want to just hang on that for a while? Okay. We can always discuss that more separately too. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, was Jesus put on this planet with like perfected fruits of the spirit or during like the first thirty years of his life was he working on all these things and like growing like we all do? Scripture says that Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered in Hebrews five verse nine. It says that. However, the two times where we know that Jesus suffered some kind of hardship, first was in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, when he fasted for 40 days, tempted by the devil. Second, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he began to sweat blood, was arrested, and then it eventually went to the cross. In those cases, Jesus proved his perfection and his strength. But it only became identifiably obedience because he was tested. So, in other words, that's like saying you don't really know that a person will be trustworthy until you give them something to test their trustworthiness. So Jesus was perfect, yes, had all fruit of the Spirit. But for the sake of us seeing his example, he was tested to prove his perfection. And we learn from that because we learn for ourselves that we have to learn obedience through suffering as well. So we're not going to escape being tested. Does that make sense?
Okay. There we All go. right. This may shed some light a little bit on Lisa's question. Um, First Peter five. I'm going to start in seven and go through ten. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For the enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. To me, that's sober of mind. You know, it, it tells us, I think, in Ephesians 4 or 5, to don't be drunk. And I think a lot of people think drunk, drinking. But you can be drunk with emotion and anxiety, a fear. You can be drunk with those things, and when we are, we act rashly. So, anyway, um, be well-balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour, which says to me that if you're not impatient, he can't get to you. He's going to suggest stuff to you. But if we, are, we stay patient and we're listening for God, we're not going to take his bait. It says, withstand him, be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world, and after you have suffered a little while, means it doesn't happen right away, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. So if we, I think sometimes we just have to, we have to be still. <laughs> we have to be still. That scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Yeah, that First Peter 5.10 is very similar to James 1. Because it says before you're going to be perfected by God. It, that happens after you've suffered a little while. James 1 says the same thing. Trials come upon you, test you, and that's what perfects you. So going through hard things, suffering through things, tests patience, tests your faith, makes your patience grow, and that allows your faith to be stronger when you go through even harder things. Do you have a question? So I, I had the opportunity to go see His Only Son on Thursday night. Good movie. Uh, makes you think a lot about, I guess what I would call in, in light of this discussion, faith, faith inch. <laughs> Because without faith, it's hard to have patience. And without patience, it's hard to have faith. And uh, Abraham, when you think about what he went through, is, is pretty amazing. He didn't have children until he was one, yet God had promised. It wasn't, 
it wasn't something that he had prayed about, like the verses that you talked about earlier, that you, if you pray, you, you'll receive. You know, he, God said, if you will do these things, I will make you a father of many nations, et cetera, et cetera. And so he was going on God's uh, affirmation, basically, promise to him. And uh, it, it, it kind of brings that whole situation to light. So. Yeah, Abraham's a great example of faith and patience. He waited a long time for Isaac, and then as soon as he got Isaac, God said to let him go. That's a combination of faith and patience right there. It's a really, really good example. Okay, we'll move forward. Let's go to number three. Oh, yeah, go for it. A little quicker. Um, does God put trials in our life, or does he just use the ones that happen naturally as just life happens? The devil's the tester or the tempter according to scripture. Uh, notice in Revelation 2, Jesus told them, Satan, or the devil, is about to test you with tribulation 10 days and throw some of you into prison. So God has to allow that to happen, but the devil's the one who does it, ultimately. It's on. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I have a testimony, and I just want to share it with all of you. Um, it's so spot on to this patience thing. Okay. Eight weeks ago, I my job was eliminated through the Minnesota Department of Human Services, and losing my job was like losing my home, too, because I'm a caregiver that live in. So I spent about six weeks going back and forth with a caseworker, there was, there was like four people on the outside that I kept in contact with as much as I could. And it was like looking at people that were just de deciding my fate. And I was, within a half hour of this news, I managed to say the words, blessed be the Lord. And then I kind of cried after that. And I started thinking, you know, and, uh, but I, 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 I held firm for the first month. I bet I spent three to four hours a day with the Lord. I listened to worship music. I kept it really well. Couple weeks in, I kind of faltered down a bit, but then I broke, you know, climbed back up about eight weeks in because I found out that I still could stay at where I rented but I just needed to find a job. So I, I waited eight weeks to get this answer if my job would be reinstated. Okay, so now I have a place to live still, you know. Uh, within a week later, I was told I had to leave. Okay, that takes me back to about a week and a half ago. I woke up one Saturday morning and I had this person on my mind, this friend that I hadn't talked to for a while. I don't know why. I, I just called him. I hadn't talked to him since last fall. And uh, I called, we visited, we went out to dinner. Three days later, <laughs> three days later, oh my gosh, you guys, he is so awesome. The Lord is so awesome. I He had a friend who has a mother that's 90 years old that needs care. And there's a, it's a duplex. She lives here. And this place is open for me. I had a place to live in four days. And the, the possibility of 
caring for this woman is still in the making, but <laughs> I'm telling you, it happened that fast. So I called that person, and the Lord just kept telling me, call Troy, call Troy, call, and I thought, why am I thinking of this person? Awesome. Amen. That's a good example of waiting for something. Patience allows you to hear what you're supposed to do. You do it, you get the answer. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Great testimony. Yeah. Is this comment or question time? Uh, it's primarily question time. All right, I have a comment. Yeah. Do you want me to, can I say yeah. the comment? If, if you have scripture. I do have scripture. Yeah. It's um, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. You were talking about um, we need to build patience to grow our faith. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has ever overtaken you except such as, as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you will be able to bear it. So as, like you said, patience is first, will grow your faith, and the Lord will not put you in a situation or give you something that you don't have the faith to handle. So patience is clearly the first thing that's required. Yep. Yeah, we went over this a couple weeks ago that with Job, God at the beginning didn't allow Satan to affect his body, his flesh. But after he went through the first trial, then God did let Satan touch his body because Job had grown through that first trial to be able to bear the second. That's what RJ's point is in 1 Corinthians 10. Anything that you go through, it's common to man, and he always gives you the way of escape so you can bear it. So you can bear it. He's not going to let you go through something that you're, you're not able to bear. Okay. Uh, let's move forward here. Number three. This is where we get a little bit deeper here. We need patience in order to stay saved and obedient to God through the hard things of life. So go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Start in verse 21. He's talking about persecutions for faith. And he says, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. That word endures is another derivative of patience. Comes from the same Greek word. In other words, hard things are going to come. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Stuff's going to be hard. But you being saved is about enduring to the end. A lot of believers forget this. You do have a choice, even after you're saved, to not be if you choose. In order for your salvation to endure, your faith has to endure. So when Jesus is saying you have to endure to the end to be saved, he's not saying you're saved by the work of enduring as though it's a work without his grace. He's saying that your faith needs to continue to the end. 
if you will be saved. When believers don't prioritize being strengthened in the faith or growing their patience or just simply growing, period, it keeps their faith in a state of infancy and makes them more vulnerable to falling away when trials come. So it's important, because of what Jesus said here, to grow patience because, he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Look at Luke 21, verse 19. Luke 21. Same context. This is Luke's account. He starts by saying the same thing. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Verse 19, he says, by your patience, possess your souls. This is Jesus' way of saying it is through patience you're going to have your soul. This is talking about being saved, your soul being saved. In order to keep possession of your saved soul, you do that with patience. So he goes through this long list. This is how things are going to get hard. By your patience, you keep possession of your soul. So it's really important, even in regards to salvation, that we have patience. Now we're going to look at these bullet points. Turn, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll read in verse 36. I'll read this point off first. Patience allows us to finish the works we're appointed to do so that we don't give up at any time. This can be as simple as reading the word on a constant a continual basis. Getting in the word on a daily basis is a work that we are called to do, as just as one example. And patience allows you to finish that work, or in other words, to continue to be in the word so that the work of that word in your life can be finished. For Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, For you have need of endurance, same derivative of the Greek word for patience. You have need of endurance or patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. This is his way of saying, you need patience because God has things for you to do before you go to heaven. That's the point. If God just wanted everybody to go to heaven immediately, as soon as you got saved, you just would have disappeared, gone to heaven. He just would have taken you out of here. But Jesus said in John 17, he didn't want us to be taken out of the world. He wants us to be here for the sake of reaching more people. In fact, it's actually because of people's patience that you even got saved anyway. Because somebody shared the word with you. They were doing the works God called them to do, right? You boil it down. You need patience because you have things to do before you make it to heaven. There is 
actions in the will of God for you to do. And it's going to require you to have endurance in order to complete those works. Paul, in 2 Timothy 4, is the last epistle he wrote before his death. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, Paul was able to say at the end of his life, I finished what God had me here to do. I completed the works. Jesus said the same thing in John 17. He said, Father, I have finished what you have sent me here to do. That's an example of somebody who was patient through the process to complete what God had sent him to do. And he says, you need endurance to do that. You want to finish what God's called you to do, you need endurance. 2 Timothy 4, I think it's verse 17. Um, I'll verify that. Actually, you verify that. Let me know. Around verse 17. It's like near the end-ish of the chapter. I'll just read that verse in Hebrews 10 one more time. For you have need of endurance, you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Amen. Okay, let's go to that next bullet point. Seven. Okay, the finish the race I've kept the faith. That one. Seven. Okay. Second Timothy four seven. For those of you who are interested in that. Next bullet point. People who lack patience will not bear much fruit because they will give up on following the word when things get hard. I alluded to this earlier. Mark four, sixteen and seventeen is the part of the parable of the sower where Jesus said that people, they don't have any roots. So they receive the word, but when tribulation arises, they give up on it. They forfeit it. Think about the simplicity of works such as reading the word, being in fellowship with believers. Those are two of the probably simplest things that we will do as believers. Being with other believers on a regular basis and opening the Bible and reading it. And how many believers don't have patience even to do that? It's a bad sign. So not only are we talking about completing works that God would have you to do, we're just simply talking about being able to continue in the simplest actions that allow you to grow or encourage your growth. The parable of the sower is all about growth. It's about whether the seed of the word of God is going to produce something in your life or not. And that depends on whether you have patience. So if you've ever grown tired of the work we must put into obeying the word, it's due to a lack of patience. At least in part. It's due to a lack of patience. Because as we talked about earlier, when you have patience, you're able to be diligent from beginning to end. Whatever work it is that God has called you to do. Not being able to be diligent is a lack of patience. Any questions on that before we move on? Okay, let's go to number four. Patience grows when it is tried and challenged through suffering or difficulty. So when hard things come, count them as a joy. That's back to James 1 and 2 through 4. 
Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work. In other words, complete the process of growing your patience. Don't give up on that. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Ironically, it takes patience to grow patience. <laughs> it's interesting because if there's one fruit of the Spirit that would take a lot of time to grow, it would be patience. Because otherwise it wouldn't be patience if it could happen fast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So it takes time. And that's why he's encouraging us to, hey, let patience have its perfect work. Some translations say, let patience finish its work in you. It's like, let that growth process be completed. Don't forfeit that. Don't give up on growing that patience. So that's why you should receive challenges, testings, or trials with joy. Joy because it's an opportunity for you to grow patience and ultimately perfect your faith, which is a very powerful thing in a person's life. So the last thing I want to say that I didn't put on here, because I don't, I don't want it to be the focus, but it's just kind of a recommendation or side note, is that what do you do when you're not being tried or challenged in the same way that, say, Jesus or Paul was? Yes. That you weren't patient enough. Said it too soon. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's right. Fasting is part of it. But when you're not going through something like Jesus and Paul went through, well, keep in mind that they couldn't just immediately go through that. There was a growth of patience before they went through all that to be able to bear it. But when you're not going through that kind of persecution, or if you're not a believer in a nation like Iran or Afghanistan, where there's just persecution everywhere that would test everyone's faith and patience. In a nation like ours, you have to test your own patience. You're going to have to be a little bit more intentional about this because we don't have a lot of the kinds of trials that New Testament scripture speaks of. People are automatically going to be in a whole lot more situations where the patience is being tested when you're being threatened to have your head cut off for being a believer. Right? Now, this does not just apply to us Americans. Scripture speaks the same thing to people in, in scripture as well. The point is simply that you can make decisions that will test and grow your patience. One of those things that you can do is fasting, as Jacob mentioned, and we'll, we'll, I'll get into some scripture about that in a moment. But physical discipline in general, Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 9, beating the flesh, is a discomfort, or it's a trial for the body. And that's part of what you can do to build patience. You could also... Or I, I would add that patience is rooted in self-control because being impatient is an impulse of the flesh. So a lack of self-control means a lack of the ability to control the impulse of impatience. And you build self-control through discipline, which of course, of course contributes to being more patient. To keep it simple, if there's not a lot of trials in your life, make some. And that will grow your patience. This doesn't mean to go throw yourself into situations where you will purposely annoy people for your faith so that you'll get persecuted. That's not what I mean. Okay? 
but you can create trials for yourself to help grow your patients, and they're very healthy. Um, I'm just thinking, if we're doing the word, I mean, just the basic, <laughs> go out, lay hands on a sick, deliver them, whatever, you're sharing the gospel, you are going to face trials. I don't think we have to go and make some up. But if we're just simply doing the word, we're going to face, because people are going to come against us. I just think about sometimes we won't say something to a friend because of what they might say or think about us. So I'm just thinking. Yep. We that, is, that is creating <laughs> trials when you obey the word. So I, I like that comment simply just to add that being obedient to the word will create trials for you. One of the ways you obey the word is physical discipline because the word says to do that. Another thing that just is just a personal experience, something that I face on the regular, is with all the people that I talk to in a week, all the people that I meet with, all the people that I share my faith with, share the gospel with, there are plenty of individuals that I'm talking to that, for whatever reason, it either takes them a really, 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 really long time to understand or get something, or they are, like, there's one example where, uh, or a few examples, actually, of unbelievers that I just am in relationship with, where I cannot simply say, logically, you need to believe this, 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 and this, 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 and this is true, end of story, just believe it and get saved. Some people are not like that. You can't just say things logically and they immediately receive it. Some people take time, relationship, trust, softening their heart, tilling the soil, getting the soil ready to receive that seed. That takes patience too when you're working with relationships. So just simply being obedient to the word in terms of your own discipline, in terms of you sharing the word, pursuing relationships with people, all of those things, all those actions of obedience will contribute to growing patience but it really just comes down to taking action. That'll help. Okay. What would having joy in a child look like? Well, I can tell you what it's like to not have joy in a trial. <laughs> if you look at Jesus, Hebrews 12 says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah. One of the fruits of joy, or ultimately patience, because patience has joy, is when you not only face a trial, but choose to enter into it because of your love for someone else, and therefore a joy. The joy set before Jesus was ultimately us. It was knowing what he would inherit for the kingdom of God, souls. That was his joy. So he chose to go to the cross because of the joy he had over us. So one fruit of joy is going to be that you will welcome going through things that are uncomfortable or inconvenient for the sake of others because of your love for them. That shows joy. Now, in the middle of that, you're going to see 
in Jesus' example, says when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. In other words, there was nothing you could do when Jesus, you could just say, had a bad day to provoke him to a reactive emotion. You could not get him to insult someone back. You could not get him to revile when he was reviled. You couldn't get him to strike when somebody would strike him. He had a love for people that was so deep and so patient that he had no impulse of the flesh influencing any of his actions when he was going through that really, really, really bad day, which being crucified, bearing the wrath of God and the sin of the world. I don't know about you, but that'd be a pretty bad day if I, if I had to go through that. That's another show of joy. You're not reactive emotionally like uh, the average person is. And another thing, this would be the last thing, you see Jesus telling his disciples because of his crucifixion that his soul was greatly troubled or he was in great distress because of his crucifixion. But he had to tell his disciples that because they just had no idea looking at him. He had so much joy that his disciples assumed he had joy because he always did. But he was not so down and out all the time that he would walk around with his head down. He was able to be present with people, pay close attention to them, love them, attend to them personally, go to weddings, feasts, celebrate, pick heads of grain with his disciples and have a snack. You know, He did all the things that a normal person would do while knowing the entire time that he is about to go through the worst thing any human is ever going to have to go through. And he was able to hide that or protect that sorrow within him so well his disciples didn't even know it unless he told them. That's a show of joy as well. You have control over grief and sorrow to the point where what you express is joy and that sorrow you bring to the Father in prayer. That's what Jesus did. While he's reading their mail, yeah, that too. The mic's not on, by the way. Um, I, I'm thinking that patience plus faith equals uh, commitment. You know, if you don't have a commitment, yeah. you're not going to get your butt out of bed and read the Bible or whatever. But you can't do that without the patience and the faith to make it happen. Yep, it is. It's commitment. Did do you think Jesus had to ever? I don't know about you, but like when I'm um, at a crossroad where I could either choose to do like what I want or do like the loving thing, it's like an act of choice, right? Like I'm like okay, like grinding my teeth about it, like okay, I'm just gonna do this because this is what Jesus would do, <laughs> you know? Um, do you think Jesus got to the point of like where it was just automatic because he just was so used to choosing to do it, where then it became manual? Or automatic, sorry. Um, or do you think he was just supernaturally at that place because he had the deepest love possible because he was God? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, I don't know if I'd use the word automatic, but 
It was definitely second nature to him because he was God and God is love. So he is love, you know. He did feel resistance of the flesh because he had to because he was a human. So he knew what it felt like to be tempted. The Bible says he's tempted in everything that we were. But he definitely, by second nature, always did what was sacrificial and what was loving. And we should set that as our goal too. We, we should. Yeah, <laughs> first nature. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it's first nature. We should want to be in that place where we always default to doing what is selfless because we've repented and turned from sin and from the flesh so much so that we walk naturally in that kind of love. 